Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dork down for a Hi, Jackie Cation here. You're listening to The Dork Forest. You know the websites, dorkforest.com, thedorkforest.com. If you like a determiner, jackiecation.com has everything. Both of my podcasts, all of the stand-up stuff, the new album, links to YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, all the things. But so I think does dorkforest.com, where you can look at old videos of different shows. Anyway, if you want to support the show, tell people about the show, review it on iTunes, thumbs it up on Pandora or Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. I appreciate that. You can donate. You can donate monthly. PayPal lets you do that. You can also do my Venmo if you like. It's at Jackie Cation absolutely everywhere. And my email address is Jackie at JackieCation.com. And that's what the PayPal is. The PayPal link is on JackieCation.com and DorkForest.com. And go to any of them. Thanks for listening. There's merch. There's stand-up. There's tour guide. You know, you can find out where I'm touring. This is getting long. So let's get into the show. Oh my gosh, it's me, Jackie Cation, in my garage. In the twilight hour, a beautiful sunset is not, is going to happen in an hour. Anyway, but I'm with Ethan Stanislavski. Welcome back to the show, Ethan. Thank you. Thank you for having me again. I really Yay. appreciate it. It's good to be back. Yes. And now you run a comedy show in North Hollywood, and it's called the Avatar 2 Comedy Show at the Good Night, which is uh, sort of a bar. I think it is. Yeah. Isn't it a bar? Yeah. It's a, it's a karaoke bar. They do a ton of comedy shows there, including ours. We started in August of 2021. So we were one of the first shows back, and we've been going strong ever since. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, Ethan Stanislavski's uh, t- Twitter and Instagram and all the things is at Ethan Stan Comedy. And that'll be in the notes. And I'm kind of excited. Am I excited or am I about to have my mind blown by your dorkdom, which is <laughs> Polish cinema, Ethan Stanislavski. Yeah. Talk to me about Polish cinema. What I uh, told, I think I told you to pick five of your favorite. Oh, I did because I wrote them down. Hi. I'm a professional, <laughs> a professional 17th year of uh, the Dork Forest. <laughs> Welcome to the show. <laughs> Where would you like to begin? Uh, whoo, I'll begin. About, Why? Like, Why is there Polish cinema? Because they're human and they have cameras? Yeah, pretty much. Um, and also they had, they have, you know, I don't know if you know this, Poland has a complicated history. Uh, so I, I do and, know that cause I'm from Wisconsin <laughs> yeah, and yeah, I grew yeah, up yeah. with a lot of Polish people. Yeah. It's interesting for me because, uh, my grandmother fled Poland in the thirties, uh, as a Jewish person. And she has nothing but hostile opinions of until her, the day she died of Poland. And my dad kind of flipped on it. Well, my dad was a Eastern European historian, uh, he okay. was a professor in that. And, uh, my He's he sort of so he studies this though. If you told if you told my grandmother anything that that he liked Poland, it would be a fight and it would be a whole problem. Uh, that's that's me giving the summary of it, uh, the right. Cliff Notes version. But at a very early age, he showed me a lot of Polish cinema. Uh, there's a there's a famous story in my family where I was like 15 or 16. Um, two, two of the directors I'm going to be talking about here, two of my favorite directors, uh, Andrzej Wajda and Krzysztof Krzysztowski. Um, they're two okay. of the, they're two for hardcore film nerds, their names you know, but in my mind, they sh- in terms of like world cinema, they don't, 
they're not at the level of like Godard or Fellini where they're like one of the first names mentioned, but both of them really belong in that conversation in my mind. But well, I that's remember, interesting. There's famous, yeah. There's a famous story where like we had a family friend who was a Broadway, like a theater director and directed on Broadway and things like that. And I mentioned Kishlowski and Vita to him and he's like, I've never heard of them. I'm like, you've never heard of Kishlowski and Vita? I'm 15. And I'm yelling at a Broadway theater director in New York about how he's not seen these relatively obscure Polish filmmakers. So, right. Did you try to boysplain to that adult man? Yeah, pretty much. That's, that's <laughs> very much what I was at 15. Um, and he just looked at me. It's and hard not to be because 15 yeah. is one of the worst ages for thinking, you know, more than you actually. Oh, my God. There's it, things, you know, and they may not be things that other people know, but you have no way of introducing it into a conversation that doesn't sound like you're yelling at somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so that is too bad. Yeah, especially like for like, you know, if you're talking about like Marvel comics, that's one thing. But if you're talking about obscure Polish cinema, that is a that is something that you don't usually get from a 15 year old voice planer. Uh, right. I, I, exactly. So I just remember he looked at me he's like, Ethan, you couldn't be more New York if you tried right now. <laughs> that was sort of his line. You're just there's this intellectual kid from New York and you are basically yelling at me about and, not knowing about this. But and yeah. when did they, when did they um, do cinema? Are they still working or did, was it mostly the sixties? What, what uh, both of them have passed away. Uh, one of them, Andrzej Vida was started in the fifties. Um, so he uh, started in about, I think his first film came out in 1955. Um, and, and he continued. Okay. Just so that everyone can, is it A N D R Z E J? Is that yeah. right? Yeah. And then what, and then Wida is W-A-J-D-A? That's correct. That is And correct. it's pronounced Andre Wida? Is that how Andrzej you pronounce it? Andre Wida. Andre Wida. There we go. Yeah. Little Polish, uh, little Polish lesson for the uh, yeah. the folks in the in the in the cheap seats. Yeah. Uh it's a free free podcast. Anyway, so Ethan, so he his first movie, you think, 1955? Yes. It was 1955. Um it was uh, let me just take a look here because I want to make sure I get the facts right on which came out first. It was 1954, actually. Uh, it was this movie, A Generation. And uh, Canal, these were both war films that came out, like in the in the shadow of World War II in Poland. Uh, Makes sense. And Because um, by 1955, they're behind the Iron Curtain, right? Yeah, they are firmly yeah. behind the Iron Curtain. Um, and it's an interesting place for Andrzej Wojtyla to be because... A lot of his movies were fiercely anti-Soviet, very fiercely anti-Soviet, pro-worker, but anti-Soviet in a lot of, in, depending on this, his era. But um, but that and he and, very, and he still lived in Poland. In for a while, um, then eventually he was exiled uh, to some extent and moved to France in the eighties. It took him till the eighties because he was a very respected figure and like you know sort of the the face of Polish cinema for a while and like a you know sort of celebrity in that world. But eventually, right. it, you know, he made a lot of movies in the 70s that were very, like, pro-solidarity movement. And as the solidarity movement gained traction, uh, they he, had, he went to France, is the basic yeah. point. Basic, uh, <laughs> that was nice of them to let him leave, uh, uh, yeah. let us say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, this third movie, which came out in 1958, I'm going to talk about that one a lot, because that, if you were to ask me what my favorite, favorite movie is like gun to the head it would probably be this movie came out in 58 ashes and diamonds um ashes. which is oh i just watched it last night to prep for this i've seen it oh, about nice. five or six times and it is still a beautiful devastating poetic funny black, 
Black and white? Black and white. Um, okay. All very Polish. I was watching it with my girlfriend, and there's a scene where this cabaret singer gets up, and, and like you think she's going to sing this beautiful love song. And there's a moment, and it's like, we must drown in the blood of our enemies. But in this, like, very, like, <laughs> you know, songstress style of the 50s. Like a ballad, like a like a smoky ballad about drowning the, in the blood of your enemies? Yes, we must fight them back to the mountain. It was, like, very, I'm like, she was like, this is the most Polish thing you could possibly <laughs> But um, But the basic premise of it is it's uh, from a Polish resistance fighter on the last day of War, on V-Day, on the last day of World War II. Who okay. is, who he's, uh, he's in the resistance, he's an assassin, and he's assigned with killing a high-ranking member of the Communist Party, uh, and that's his, that's his hit job. And in the very first scene of the movie, he brutally shoots someone, but it's the wrong guy, so he botches the hit. Um, kills a guy, but it's not the right guy. The guy Wait, he's guy not is, killing Nazis? He's killing Soviet communists? Soviet communists, yeah, but he's not a Nazi, he's just an ind- or Polish independence assassin. Okay, I see. Um, okay, sure. And it's a very, like, nuanced, this movie, and there's a lot of, just to get into that, there's a lot of, like, controversy about this movie on where it stands politically. Because on the yeah. one hand, it is not against authoritarianism and war, but it's also anti-Soviet, and a lot of that, there was some war, you know, some connection. Like, there's a scene where they're looking at the bullets they have, and they're like, this bullet came from the Germans, these bullets came from the British. So it is, like, a thing where... There, people are saying it's a right-wing movie, but it's really, on its own terms, it's a very fiercely independent movie. It's an anti-war movie. It's an anti. It's a pacifist, weirdly, movie in, in some senses of it. I, I don't know if I call Except it Except for all the killings. Except for all uh, the killings. Feels, right, right. It's got a lot of, it's got a pacifistic edge. But is it mostly just a movie, sort of a, a Polish nationalist movie, where they're just like, we want an independent Poland? No, it is it is a very nuanced look. It, the, there's there's infighting among the independent the the, the independence fighters. There's um, basically what it's a really good mix of how the personal affects the political and vice versa, and that's really what it covers and like how one can devastate the other. Um, so the basic plot of it is on this on the night of world world you know the night of World War Two ends the, the Nazis surrender. This guy has to wait at, out at a hotel to finish the job, basically, to find the right guy and assassinate him. Right. And and, but while this is happening, he falls in love with this beautiful bartender um, at this at this. And it's the first time he's ever known love. And he spends this whole this whole second half of the movie on this conflict about do I do I do I try to live a, uh, a straight life or I've committed to to fight to this cause till I die I still believe in this cause, but I also want to be a human being. And now I know the power, you know, I know what love is now. And, right. Uh, I would like to go to Girlfriend Planet instead yeah. of uh, being an assassin planet. Yeah, exactly. And there's there's so many like scenes of this movie that I, I think about all the time. Like there's a scene where they're just sort of fucking around at the bar with him and his like associate. And they just they're just he's like tossing shots of vodka across the bar and they lights them on fire. But it's like you're just fucking around. It's like, no, these are for our and they like names all their fellow uh, independence fighters who've died, and it's like this weird memoriam thing. I would I would call them comrades, but that's comrades in arms. So that doesn't. It's since it's right, anti-Soviet. Right. But fellow fellow resistance fighters during the war. Is that what yes, the, the scoop is? Exactly. So it it sounds incredibly complicated. Where it's like the the war is essentially over, mm-hmm. and now the new the new fight is for an independent Poland, but you've got 
Polish problem in Poland itself during the war. Yeah. Where there were some people who supported Germany and there were some people who were murdered. And then there were some people who um, just sort of stood on the sidelines and just occasionally got murdered. Yeah. And because um, I think Poland devastated during World War II, uh, just run roughshod over. And then, and then all of those things trying to come together while some people are like, just, we're going to be, I mean, the, at least the Soviets aren't the Nazis and at least, uh, you know, and we should be an independent Poland. We shouldn't be, you know, we should just be with this. Is it, it sounds super complicated. Like they're trying to sort of do all the politics of a messy, messy end of a world war. Yeah. And it's, it's so messy. And there's, there's a definitely a strain of at every level, like the communists in the movie, the independence fighters are all like, why are we doing this? Like, what is, what is the point of this? And, uh, they're like, and it's just they're and they just don't know that it's, it's all conflict. It's all, how do we process this? And it, the thing about it being the end of world war two is it's never, it's, it's set up at the beginning of the movie, but there's no like joy that the war is over. It's all in the backdrop. There's people celebrating, but like, that's like in the, that's in the background. It's a, in t- the whole, the whole of Nazi Germany is a separate issue. We yeah. are only dealing with Soviet Poland and the Soviet union and whether or not you want to either go Soviet or not, it's it's. I I don't even know if I would call it. It's just very nuanced in the fact that it's like it, no one is happy about the Nazis in this movie. Everyone is like the Nazis are clearly villains. Um, even right. though independence movement, there is some debate in hindsight about how much did they get from the Nazis in their fight against communism. Um, but at the same time, it's it's. It's like it's like this the dressing of the movie is World War II's over, the Nazis have, have surrendered, Hitler's dead. Um there but there is like a scene where they're just like casually having a conversation about completely unrelated things with the painting of Hitler in the background. Right. Because that was just Poland. It was occupied it was territory still, for stuff was still up. Yeah, exactly. And so okay, so so there so who who are the like so the director is the the Andres, say his name Vida. again. Vida. Vida. Andre, Andre yeah. Vida. Yeah. Andre Vida. So Andre Vida is our director. So our actors, you was it, did he write it? Who were the actors? Was it? Yeah. The actors are, um, I was looking them up. A lot of them died really tragically. It was one of those, one of those movies like uh, Rebel Without a Cause where all the actors were cursed in a lot of ways where like, Yikes. <laughs> so like one of them died trying to jump on a train and another died in the car accident. It's like in the next 10 years after that movie. Um, but it's weird. You watch this movie and I've, you know, movie nerd my whole life. I've watched this and I'm like, there's so much Godard. There's so much Scorsese, like so many think touchstones of cinema and how they handle assassins and crime and nuance in this political way. And, uh, and you see it in, in newer movies. You see that people oh, have clearly watch this guy and, and sort of been like, oh, yeah, oh, that's yeah. how you would shoot. That's how you would portray that. Or Yeah. And like some directors like Scorsese, I think even Tarantino is like openly sung the praises of this movie in particular. Like it's not it's like among film people. It's like it's a it's a touchstone. But it, I, it's just it's it's like you can see so much of later movies that came out in this movie. And they've openly admitted that this is a huge influence on how they right. pr- how they approach assassin movies, politics movies, and the dynamics in between. And, 
And how's the cinematography? As I as I ask, so beautiful, so beautiful, just There's amazingly like, shot, amazingly shot. I can't even begin to say the number of shots where I'm like. They knew how do they know that would be the perfect show when they were filming it? And there's like, and it's it, there's some moments where you almost like can't believe like I'm, there's like a moment where a hit happens. Uh, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, I can, it's a it's a eighty year I mean, seventy year old movie. This so is we we are we are a month and a half into every single episode of the Dork Forest being. This was at least a dozen years ago. Some of this was 60 years ago. You're going to have to yeah. know in your heart that when you watch it, you'll probably have forgotten that I said this. So go. Yeah. Spoil so, Okay. So spoil. Okay. Thank you. That is so freeing in this time, <laughs> this era. But uh, basically, at the end of the movie, he, he tries to leave and go with his new love. Oh, um, right, right. But... The situation is just too devastating. She's like, he has to leave and go complete this hit. And there's a shot where he's following the guy out of this hotel, um, this high-ranking member of the Communist Party, and who's got his own set of problems. His son, has, the Communist leader's son, has joined the resistance. So it's like, oh, okay. What? So there's so a whole like other plot. Yeah. So he's going. Yeah. There's there's a few subplots in this movie that are incredible, but the communist leader is going out to rescue his son. Meanwhile, he's shot by this, this assassin who's been hunting him the whole movie. And like, as he, as the assassin, like there's like a shot, like, you know, looking up while he's doing this and fireworks go off because it's, it's just like the end of the night celebrating the end of world war two. But it's like, he has this devastated look on his face. Like, I can't believe I wanted to be in love and I just had to kill someone. Uh, meanwhile, fireworks. And it's just like, it sounds like it sounds like so on the nose, and it is. But it, it in that it's earned. Like that movie completely earned that kind of payoff. But then that's not the end of the movie. The end of the movie is he has the choice to get on a train to go to his next assignment, like the next morning, or not join the train and just figure out what his life is. And he right denouement, yeah, yeah. He misses the train. He runs into this guy who was like this their informant who fucked up who and another subplot had fucked up his whole life that night right. um by getting drunk and embarrassing everyone um and right. he's like they kick him out of that and he's like desperately approaching Mache who's the assassin and he runs out bumps into some Nazi soldiers who see him with a gun and shoot him dead completely randomly completely like independent of everything just the fact that he had a gun and was running away and oh, yeah. it's like all it's, for I'm, fucking nothing. It's all this, for is, nothing. this is terrifying because yeah. that's, I just, like, because it's October. I just did a dork forest about the night of the living dead, <laughs> uh, which is a zombie movie. Yeah. And the hero is an amazing 1968. Our hero is a, a young black man. Yeah. He finally defeats all the zombies. The mob comes, they see him, they think he's the bad guy or, or a zombie, and they shoot him. Yeah. And so you're just like, that is such a weird way to end a movie. I don't know who that's so. Did you ever see a boy and his dog? I didn't see that. I've heard a lot about that. I've been, I think I've been afraid to watch that movie. Like specifically. Well, that one, that one is just, it's another movie where... And I've never seen it. I've seen parts of it, but it's also beautifully shot. And it's this dystopian future, you know, and uh, the dog and the man are telepathic and, uh, and they, and they, you know, there are no women. 
And so the dog smells a woman and um, we, whatever it's, uh, but I don't want to ruin that movie either, though it is also 1980, but it's another crazy ending where you're like, okay, well that I wouldn't have called that because you would think he's missed the train. This right. is fate saying you should go back to the bartender and have some sort of life where you live on rations for the next 10 years. And, um, but nope. Yeah. It's all for naught. And it's really like, uh, it's just, and like the way it's shot. Heart wrenching. It's yeah. heart wrenching. And he's just like wandering through a field with carrying blood. He was shot in like the back. And he's just like, it's, uh, it's so like, what was it for? The, and then like they cut. The futility cut, of war, I suppose. Um, yeah. And then they cut back, like at some point when he's running away to the bartender, who's just like cleaning up a lot, like after these drunk people are leaving the bar. And she's just like, has this look of like, like at the very beginning when they hook up, when they do that, she's like, I, she's very much clear, like, we will not fall in love. And sure enough, over the night they do. And then she's, it's sort of like this moment, it's like, this is exactly what you were trying to avoid. And now you are feeling the full effects of this. Um, just right. You were hoping for a one night stand, but you had this incredible romantic night with this guy. And every, she doesn't know what, she never finds out that he's an assassin, but it's just like, this is exactly, but it's just like this look of her, like just pure devastation across the board. But yeah, right, right, right from from stem to stern. Yeah, it's um, I could see how it ending like that would make people go, well, this is an anti the futility of of all of these different when you really when you find the purpose of the movie is that when you find love, grab it with both hands. <laughs> Do not continue being an assassin. Uh, that is me rooting. For uh, love instead of the assassin, uh, yeah. but but nobody wants to see that movie because uh, that movie is a Spielberg movie. So uh, <laughs> that's a different that's a different yeah. World War II movie. Yeah. Um, well, I mean the thing about Polish the Polish cinema I've seen and I've only seen parts of it and I don't even know what they were, but they mm. were incredibly bleak but beautifully shot. Yeah, you know it's usually and those stuff from the fifties and sixties were all in black and white. Yeah. And I don't know if that was because they didn't have access to color or if it was an artistic choice and they, and the artistic choice made them rise to the occasion because it was gorgeous. Yeah. It's, it's, it's an interesting thing. And a lot, there was a lot of evolution. So it's like, I, that's sort of was one of the foundational movies um, uh, of Polish cinema. And it's still in that realm, but Vida himself, like Kishlowski, who I want to talk about in a little bit, worked yeah. primarily in the eighties and nineties. That was his era. And he was like an incredible person, but Vida, and he died in the 90s, so he had a sort of more of a limited, but it's like one of those bodies of work where you're like, oh, if there had just been more, like that kind of that kind of body of work. Yeah. Um, but Vida had an incredibly, he worked from basically that, the 50s until the 2010s. Like he he made movies oh, he throughout just... that era. Um, I, th I think his last movie may have been 2009. He may have done one after that, but he... Um, but he worked throughout the 70s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, and 90s. Um, I've not seen all of them, but I've seen several. Um, are they mostly political thrillers? or they are, They're generally with a political tone or just wor you know, workers fighting for to be, have human decency. Um, one of his like, touchstone movies is called Promised Land, and it's not set in contemporary Poland like some of his movies were, but it's set in the 19th century about the uh, Pol... Polish person, a German, and a Jew trying to fund building a factory. And it does not... Do they hold... all walk into a bar? That, no, I'm that, so sorry. 
Yeah, no, no, no. I was I'd say, that, I was that saying that out loud. I was like, it's, uh... yeah, no, I, I was saying that up. No, they walk into uh, a factory and see workers being killed by machines and not giving a shit. That's more what it was. That's more what it is. And, it's and that didn't have a punchline either. No, no. Uh, but was it? Yeah. <laughs> But so he spent essentially 40 years, I don't know, 54 to, to 2000, you said? Yeah, 54 what? to like 2009. I forget if he did a movie. His The movie, the last movie I saw, like, not the last movie I've seen of his, but the last movie, his latest movie that I saw was a movie called Katyan, which I think got an Oscar nomination for foreign language film, which was uh, about the Katyan massacre, um, which was a massacre where Russia, you know, Soviets, uh, slaughtered thousands of Polish officers in the army in the in uh, and blamed it on the Nazis for decades. Um, oh, yeah. Which is basically including uh, and one of the officers slaughtered was Andrzej Wajda's father. So uh, uh... that informs a lot of the movie. But that movie is crazy because the op- speaking of jokes in Poland, like the opening scene of that movie reads like a Polish joke, where it's like these refugees running across a bridge. And they, they're trying to get away. And then at some point, refugees are coming from the other side of the bridge. And they meet in the middle. And they're like, one side goes, oh, no. what are you doing? There's Nazis <laughs> over there. And the other side goes, no, but there's Russians over there. And it's just like, so they don't know oh, what to do. And it's, right, it's right. Like a terrible. It's like a joke. A but terrible, it's so, like, but it's yeah, so but, real based on what. Right. That, because like, Poland was indeed like I, you know, growing up in South Milwaukee, Wisconsin, there were so yeah. many Polish um, immigrants. Yeah, that had come from after World War Two, and uh, and it was the Polish jokes didn't make any sense to me because I was like, yeah. nobody's that dumb, yeah. and why have you decided to make them all Polish jokes? And yeah. I was like, they don't have to be. And, yeah, um, it's mainly just like we need a dumb, I, like we need a dumper, like this fourth joke structure. We need to have it, it right. There's remember they're they're joke books, and they used to be. Yeah. Dumb jokes, jokes about dumb people or moron jokes or whatever they called them at the time. It doesn't matter what you call them. To quote Doug Stanhope, you can change the name of the term for developmentally disabled as many times as you want. But my friend Tim is still going to call me it when I miss the shot. Yeah. So uh, it's not it's not you. It's it's Tim. So uh, whatever I say. But yeah, those jokes existed. There there is. one of the things I've heard about this just tangentially is that the yeah, when I've weeded the, off. So yeah, no, when, but when Poland, uh, the way, when the, the inflection of Polish people speaking English can present as dumb, if you don't know if like just the way the accent sounds to like an average American ear. It, oh, it, and of course, anti-immigrant. Oh, immigrants oh, don't yeah. speak English. Good. And exactly. you're like, Hey, Hey, meaty Magoo. Why don't you keep it in your pants? How about that? Yeah. Why don't you do that? Exactly. Exactly. Anyway, so uh, okay. yeah, anyway, so um, that movie. So his whole him. career was like sort of workers' rights and trying mm-hmm. to to get that out there. Okay. Yeah, but it but it's it's a weird like he was like a very like very big figure in the solidarity movement, which is a very uh, like everything in Polish history has a very complicated and occasionally problematic uh, situation. But um, but but it's weird because like it was anti-communist pro-worker. In a lot of ways, or anti like Soviet communism pro worker. It was Marxist, but it was basically the theory was the Soviet was like a, the communism of the Soviet revolution, the Russian Revolution was a lie, and that workers were never really right. at the forefront of that. Um, right. They weren't really Marxists. They didn't really uh, do the communism. Ideal commun- communism is very hard, 
It was very, yeah. very difficult. But, it was made but, possible in Cuba, but only because of sanctions. Yeah. And, uh, and a lot of people almost starved to death. But 98% literacy, everybody. Hey. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, but it, it's so it's very like, well, he had a couple movies that were sort of like in like the Susan Kane style. No, I'm not comparing them to like level Susan Kane, but they're very, very incredible movies that have the same format of like a person's trying to uncover the, the journalist goes in, tries to uncover the truth about these leaders of these solidarity movement. Um, and there's like, it's like a two point minutes called man of iron and man of marble. I forget which one ah. is which, but they're both like very much like sort of documents of, people fight workers fighting against Soviet oppression of workers. And okay. I, and, and so they're both very like fiercely political, very like everything he does beautifully shot, very well written, very tight. Um, and, th- but it also is centered around like a father and a son. So it is, it still has this very like human core at the, at, in the center of everything he does. Um, okay. and which I love he, another movie of him that, um, it was from his I Need to Go to France era is uh, Don Tone, which I, that of movies that people have heard of of his that are not like film nerds. That is often the one they've often heard of because it's a French movie. It's one of Gerard Depardieu's first movies where he was the okay. lead. He played Don Tone, uh, who was, you know, you know, the voice of, uh, you know, the voice of uh, opposition in the Reign of Terror. And um, OK, and it, so, so another period piece. OK. Period piece, not again, not directly about Poland, but directly about Poland, <laughs> like what was going on <laughs> in that era, and just all the irrationality and the obsession with state control versus the rights of individuals and and you know and people who you're supposed theoretically supposed to be protecting. Right. Um, and so, um, but they made a really interesting decision, which I realized because they brought in a lot of Polish actors. The lead, the guy who plays Robespierre, the you know who leads Reign of Terror. The committee, I forget what the, the committee of public safety in uh, in that era is a Polish actor who was like one of like one of Andrzej Wajda's like staple actors, like the guy he kept bringing into movie after movie after movie, and he was the lead. And I think that's his best performance playing Robespierre, where he's just like this cold, like sweaty, sickly, but very calculating person, like who. Yeah. I, I it sounds like I'm saying he's clearly never touched a woman as like a as like a standard like, like an hacky kind of thing. But yeah. They, but they. Like Danton, which is played by Jared Hurtu, openly says you've ne- like the rumor is you've never touched a woman. So it's like and right. he's just this really calm, calculating person. But the thing is, all he, the actor who plays him, and all his allies are po- speaking Polish with dubbed over into French, and all of Danton's ah. and Danton and all his allies are just speaking French. So it's a very it's a, like clear that's a weird metaphor. yeah. It's a clear metaphor. Uh, the metaphor I missed. Tell me the metaphor. I'm so no, sorry. It's just like <laughs> when you're trying to indirectly go after how you know the com- Soviet bloc in Poland is handling people is you know manipulating and brutalizing people. Having all the people in your movie who are speaking Polish dubbed into French is a pretty oh good- as as sort of the as as sort of the cruel as yeah. the cruelty. Okay. Yeah. Fascinating. That that does sound. It's, you know, like the thing about great cinema and when, yeah. when, when people talk about it, they talk about, you know, it's usually drama and it's usually these beautifully shot movies that have this, this heart, but are often super tragic is that, um, there is often a metaphor. They are telling more than one story in the story. Yeah. And, 
that's uh that's kind of fascinating is is the the newer the other now i have i can spell his name kieslowski is would be how i'd say it is that not how you say it kieslowski uh, kieslowski is what i say it. Kieslowski. Again, yeah but um, kieslowski would be how he would say it if he lived in wisconsin in the <laughs> 70s he'd say kieslowski yeah. and uh and then he would go out for basketball yeah. anyway so but kieslowski right Kieslowski, yeah. But okay. Kieslowski, I've, as someone who spent a lot of time in Chicago in my life and Wisconsin, I 100% endorse everything that has just been said. <laughs> I, so, yeah. I'm all, I, I think of myself as pretty good with Polish names, and then I meet someone from Poland, and they're like, hmm, accent's well, a little off. Yeah, yeah, it's weird, because my dad, uh, I mean, he's an Eastern European scholar. He speaks Russian fluently. He speaks, he grew up dual, you know, bilingual in Yiddish, so he speaks that fluently. He, he can speak, I think he speaks seven languages, but he could never really get Polish because it's such a weird language. There's like, the one thing he told me is like, there's three different sh sounds and they're very different. And it's like, okay. any Polish person knows the difference between like sh, sh, and sh or something like that. I don't yeah. know, I'm getting it wrong. <laughs> but it's so obvious to them and everyone else who's trying to learn it is like, what the hell is that? So Right. Yeah, yeah I was in Poland um, right before lockdown mm -hmm. and um, everyone spoke English and it was a blessing. <laughs> uh, but they have fish for breakfast, so good for yeah. them. Yeah. Okay. So. So yeah, Kishlowski. I wouldn't say he he wasn't he wasn't as explicitly political. There were like undertones at points of politics in the cinema, but he was a lot more about allegory and romanticism and like individual stories and more philosophical. I would say than brutally political. Okay. Um, he. Though I think what started me, like my dad showing me these films, was he did a mini series in the in like 1989, 1990, right at the fall of the Berlin Wall and the fall of Soviet control of Poland, called the Decalogue series. Uh, it was a it was like it's been it's a mini series and it all took place in this one apartment complex in Warsaw um, with the ten different stories. Basically, there was like one guy who sort of was just like sort of like the guy watching over it all, but he never said a word. Um, and it's called the Decalogue because each ep of these 10 episodes is loosely based on one of the commandments, like one of the 10 commandments. Oh, okay. Um, and so there's like the, the running theme of, and it's very sort of loosely based on that, but there is, but definitely like the thou shall not kill episode involves the brutal murder of a cab driver and like what that means for things like that. How um, long is each film? The Decalogue? About, well, each episode in the mini series, they're about each is an hour or so, and they're okay. all. But uh, two of them uh, were extended into into more feature length films, and then they like kicked ass at Cannes and everything, and all the festivals. So the one that was Thou Should Not Kill is uh, what became a short film about killing, um, and that movie was a big hit. Um, and I mean, that's still like, it was only like less than an hour and a half, even though it was just like, it's sort of like an extended cut basically, right, right. but, uh, it, 84 minutes is essentially a feature length film. Um, yeah. and the, the other one, which is the adultery episode episode became a short film about love. Um, those are the two most popular, uh, commandments yeah. of the 10 <laughs> of the 10. Those are the ones people like talking about. No one wants yeah. to talk about the one where you have to listen to your parents. Anyway, yeah. So, but it's, and it's very like each, it's a little 
you know, it's on the nose, but at the same time, it's more about this thematic thing. I, like, I see a lot of, like, what Black Mirror became in this, actually, where it's like, there are all these stories that are in the same universe, but they're tangential to each other, and they all, I mean, it's not as technology-based, but it is about, like, morality and how the contemporary world, you can process that through it. Like, the first episode is, uh, the, you know, it's the I am the Lord thy God, thou shalt not take my name in vain, and it's about this very cold science professor who, like, has this, like, very, like, 1989 computer, um, yep. and he calculates... He, it's and it's weird. It's like got Google Home tendencies. He can turn on lights in the back. So he's like, technology is incredible. And he had like his son asked him about what death is, and he's just like, it's just a void. Doesn't have and but his aunt is very religious, so it's like this whole like. So it's atheism, th- and he kind of loves the he, he science is his religion, and science and, yeah. is, is this guy's religion. But then he again spoiler um, spoiler he, he gives his son a pair of ice skates and does math on his computer that says you will be fine to skate on this pond um, because it's so frozen over that it will be fine. Guess sure what enough. Happens. Exactly. <laughs> um, I have to say that one time, at some, I, I, I will digress into a personal story that everyone needs to hear. Uh, when I was a child, probably mm, nine, uh, my sister and I were still in Sunday school. We went to Sunday school for a long time because the Armenian church services are three hours long. And if you went to Sunday school, they were an hour and a half. So, uh, we went to, we were at Sunday school and they had a new Sunday school teacher and this Sunday school teacher, um, told us that if you, that God would literally, she was like, she was one of these, God would smite you if you did anything bad. Then she told us a parable, uh, supposedly of, uh, a boy who was mean to his sister, walked to school and got hit by a car. And Darla burst out laughing. And uh, and then we looked at each other and we laughed. And she uh, kicked us out of Sunday school for the day. And, uh, and we got sort of in Sunday school trouble. But uh, the weird thing is, is because we have four older brothers. And it had never happened. So, um, so we're driving home. And, and our dad is like, how was Sunday school? And so Darla and I t- tell him the story. And he's like, what the hell is she teaching? And so uh, she didn't teach Sunday school for very long. And Darla has since converted to Judaism. Hmm. So very exciting. Anyway. Um, As someone yeah. who got kicked out of Hebrew school twice, that is a very interesting uh, <laughs> a dynamic. Twist. A yes. twist. Yes. As someone who similarly did things on the other end of the spectrum for that. Thing. Right, right. It, it was just, it, there's a lot of, um, and so was, was uh, Kieslowski, was he um, Catholic? Was he like Polish Catholic? Yeah, I mean, your knowledge? He, he was Polish Catholic. Uh, there's also, I mean, a weird, like there's shots of the aunt holding photos of JP2, for instance, who obviously was a... Oh, Polish Pope. Polish The Pope first Polish Pope. That had a huge significance that had, again, of, of the many things that were in, not directly addressed, but definitely a factoring into this worldview that was his presence was definitely part of that um so it's exciting it's like when anyone does something that you're from so the first polish pope was a big deal yeah and especially for the breakdown of communism because because uh catholicism and communism did not various did not mix at that era in poland so it was very much like so it was a very interesting slash devastating complicated role. Everything in Poland is complicated and messy. That's sort of what I've learned (laughs) 
over time. Um, because and even Poland now is the fucking clusterfuck of everything. It is uh, very. It's basically a relig- We think we're a religious right, religious right country. Uh, Poland is at another fucking level of that. Uh, right now, um, the, they're basically the whole, the whole world has gone really crazy about they're just like what we need to do. We all agree yeah. is control women. Yeah. The, the, everyone agrees that what you do, definitely want to do, whatever happens, control women and anybody who's brown. You, we got to kill them. Well, it's but, also, yeah. yeah, a few years ago, there's a story about Germans using drones to drop abortion pills into Poland. Like, and some people in Poland thought that was an act of war. Like, it was just like, it was insane. Was uh, it that, even real? I, there, there were, I, as far as I know, that's not a fake story, but there were drones dropping pills, like, by the, like Amazon drones by delivery, but with abortion pills. Like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> not like, not like uh, drone strikers, just like, like the Amazon oh, style drones, but like. Oh, like delivery. Delivery like drones, delivery. Yeah. Drones that had been ordered. Yeah. Like someone had ordered pills. Like underground from a German website or something like the German dark web or whatever you want to call it, which I don't know. Oh, I I think the German dark web exists, don't you? I I think everything (laughs) dark web exists. It is weird. I will say just, again, uh, going into politics a little bit, there is like as someone who is American, there is a weird, not I wouldn't call it, it's terrifying, but a weird relief that we are not the – we are not uniquely idiots in the world. In the right, oh, there's, there's a relief that we're not the worst. Oh no! <laughs> in terms of damage, we're probably the worst. But in terms of like the theme of how dumb oh, right. and fucking like ridiculous, it we might are. be fixable. We don't know. We're yeah. about to find out. I guess yeah. what the next level of of what's going to happen. We're about to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so so yeah, anyway, yeah. Decalogue is, so I think it was released in Poland in 1989, uh, I think 1989, 1990, but it wasn't really, av- it was like, it wasn't really available in, to the West or at least America until the late 90s, which is when I was coming of age and, you know, becoming a, you know, a nerdy, per- you know, my nerdiness right. was. You, you went down your film school um, rabbit yeah, hole. It was, the, it yeah. was the perfect, it was the perfect time for me to descended to this and I got and my dad was able to just show me these and I was just like ha ah, this is what things can be uh and you know either this or the mummy I guess but I this is way better <laughs> like this is better this is good this is what good cinema is uh, what are you what are you saying I saw the mummy and I was <laughs> I was doing childcare at the time and uh, me and the kid that I went and saw it we counted how many people died without a drop of blood being shed yeah and it was in the hundreds anyway so very yeah, weird Great ride at Universal. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, but um, but no, but it was very, it was very, in- it was very influential. And he, I went back. He had done a series of films and then a trilogy of films, and I, he was very big on like theming his art, like very, like his. He had series, and like every everything was like duality and. Wait a minute! Mm-hmm. Did he do three movies with just one word that was a color? Red, white, and blue. Yeah, that was him. The three color trilogy. Everybody told me to see that those movies, and I of yeah. course never did because uh, uh, I can't. I can probably count on one hand how many foreign films I've seen. Sadly, yeah. they each one of them. I'm a is, monster. No, okay. it's all good. Each each one of them is more beautiful. They're, I wouldn't call them devastating. They're more like beautiful films. They're sad, but they are like meditations on love and acceptance and dep- and there's a lot of like weirdly like. 
mental health observations in there and like how to, and, but very much like how to live in a contemporary world that we live in currently. Um, they're all, and the, it's a similar thing. They're all connected. They all like, there's, a, there's the characters exist in the same universe, but they're, they're full length films. They're the three colors. Film. Yes. That's uh, him. They were shot. And he, I just said, if I hadn't, if I wasn't making these in France, it would have been some other theme. Like, so that, that's, oh, that's sort funny. Of, so he said it, but, but they were Sorry. all, no worries. All right. Uh, allow, allow me to weed off briefly as my dog growls at somebody. Hey, yeah. What are you growling? No worries. Goofus Magoo. Lie down. Anyway, so um, I have a dog now. Anyway, oh, so horrible. they are devastating and bleak. <laughs> they're, and, but they're a lot. I would say are they're they in more, color. They're in color. Yes, they are in color. Um, I have some very basic questions about about quality film, uh, the most beautiful films ever made. So are they captioned? Anyway, so... uh, (laughs) Subbed or subbed. Bring it to an anime level. (laughs) uh, Right. Now, subtitles, I think with foreign films, I do enjoy subtitles more. Yeah. Just because you, it tends to be more accurate, and you can, yeah. and you, and you get used to it after a minute or two. It's yeah. not the end of the world. You don't have to, and yeah. It just means you can't be on your phone like for five minutes and then overhearing things, and then like, oh, right. okay, what is that? If you do that, you're like, oh, I've missed huge plot points that I've completely forgotten, which you can't do right. if you're watching. That's a, why what's his face doesn't want you to watch his movies on on a phone. Yeah, uh, was that Scorsese? Who was that? Is it, it, any any one of those eight? Any <laughs> one of those old guys? Yeah, it's, uh, Penny Marshall would have been okay with it. Anyway, yeah. so. Um, but yeah. So by the way, I am talking. It is we're all we're at like forty five minutes here. So I just no want to say, Ethan, I am talking with Ethan Stanislavski. Uh, it's at Ethan Stan Comedy, mm-hmm. and on all the on all the socials. And do you have an Ethan Stanislavski website? Yes, it's ethanstanislavski.com. Catchy. Um, very, do you very have easy. film? Do you have films on there? Do I you do have, any film? I have reels. I've ma- I have uh, my credits. I have my acting credits. I uh, You may have seen me in a Zelle ad recently. That was a thing I just did. So, oh, that's um, exciting. <laughs> so, but yeah, and I, you can see my stand-up clips there. And um, you can see my credits as well, my acting, my reels and all that. So that's a... I just want people to know because this has been fascinating, and I but yeah. I don't want to slow you down either. So, but as, no, since no, I started absolutely. the slowing, so yeah, so okay, so Kieslowski, three colors mm-hmm. in the nineties, yeah. The, so and there that had sort of more like names of actors you would recognize. Uh, I like if you're like a Juliette Binoche, like Julie Delpy, like uh, actors like French actors of that era who you would probably know if you. Like, you know, news, if there were French actors to know in the 90s, you would know them. Um, okay. So, um, but they're all, like, I, it's hard to describe, like, just what they are, because they're basically, Red is very much about a love focus, and it's about the it, it couple and all that. Blue, forgetting, I'm sort of blanking, it's been a while since I've seen these, but... Um, but they, but yeah, it's Julia Pinoche, it's Julie Delpy, um, Irene Jacob. But they're all, there's like basically it ends with them. Like each movie has the color as a theme, not just in terms of how it's shot. Like the movie Blue has a lot of blue in it. Um, the movie okay. Red has a lot of red in it. The movie White is very, in terms of the color scheme, you know, of the camera work. But it's also like thematically relevant, um, like to what's happening in those films, like on several levels. Like there's a scene where in the movie uh, White where 
he tries to shoot himself and he fires blanks. Blanc in French is white. Is white. There so, you go. So it, there's a lot of mo- like, and he's also impotent, firing blanks, and there's like okay, things, like, shooting blanks, like, sure. There's there's things like that throughout the middle, and I think Red was the last of the three that was released. But there's basically a scene at the end where it's the they all the survivors on this horrible uh, crash. I think it's like a boat crash, um, and it's just like you see the photos of all three of them, and it's this. It's like you couldn't have ended this trilogy any better. Like this moment of like where it you have all you've watched the if you watch these movies in sequence, you're like, oh, this is so everyone's more beautiful than the last. And then you have this perfect symmetry moment at the end where it's like, um, where everything just clicks. And in blue, there's like we, there's some there's like weird stuff about the state. And if I were to, like, it's not really political, but there are like political moments in it. Like there's a scene at the end. Um, is it that or no? It's it's white. I don't, I, I'm I, all three of them blend together. I'm sorry. I have, these are the ones they, I haven't seen. Are they available streaming? I would. I hope to God they are. I know uh, right. I was looking at this um, Ashes and Diamonds. You can watch on Amazon. You have to sign up for one of those like bullshit add-on things, but you can get a, sure. But you can you get, get seven days free. For that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Dantone's on Criterion. Uh, I know that. Um, Promise- well, I did an episode about uh, Criterion, and I remember this the 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 choices that the Criterion collection makes are often you know just because they want we want to fix this we want to re- recover this movie and yeah. make it as beautiful as it was yeah well i think uh is, pro- yeah promise land is on um that amazon is on amazon if you sign up for this thing is Ashes criterion a, a streaming service or does they, the criterion do a they do have a streaming service it's subscription based but it is incredible and worth not I everything bet. that is in criterion is on there but it's great but a lot of criterion movies this is just a hot tip I don't think the movies I'm talking about are this, but if you use the if you have a public library card, there's yeah. an app called Canopy, K-A-N-O-P-Y, that if you link your library card to it, you get a ton of Criterion movies for free. And well, that's um, amazing. Canopy with a K. Okay. Canopy with a K. So that just for everyone listening, that is like preach that, that to the Raptors. A- that is a wonderful service. And hopefully I know at the LA Public Library you can use that with your card. I hope other I hope your local library. Like, yeah, you check that. out your local library, you guys. Yeah, exactly. And they may have some of these movies to rent on DVD if you don't, if they're not available for streaming. So there you go. Right. And so for the for the like the last ten minutes, I just I'm curious about the current situation in Polish cinema. Mm-hmm. How does it look? How how does it how does there, it feel? Yeah. It's there's been a couple movies in the last. Uh, last decade or so that have really um, been beautiful. And I think the movie Ida uh, won the best foreign language film Oscar. Um, so that, how do you spell that? that? Ida, like Ida. Okay. But it's just okay. Ida is how it's pronounced. And it's Got about, it. uh, I think it's about a, uh, I forget the exact, again, I haven't seen this movie in a few years, but it's about a nun looking for either her mother or someone's mother. I forget. I think it's a, who was also, a, I may be confused. I may be looking for someone's mother who was a nun, um, right. I forget the exact format, but it, I remember watching it and being absolutely blown away by it. And it was like, again, so there are some beautiful movies there. Um, there was another one. I'm going to look it up now. I apologize for. Oh, no problem. It's uh, there's so many great foreign films that I know that I would like. And some of them are just very beautiful and very sweet. 
Mm. And do you, here's my Jackie Cation question. Do mm. you know any Pol- great Polish cinema of a movie that's very beautiful and very sweet? Or do you mostly know stories that are super bleak? <laughs> I would say the Three Colors trilogy at its core is sweet. There's a lot okay. of devast- it's It's romantic. It's, they're romantic movies. All three of them okay. have a lot of romance and they're built on love. They're not built on... Like Vida is a is a genius, but he's very much uh, fierce political fervor. Kishlowski, pretty much across the board, anything you get from him, there will be this, you know, romantic, very empathetic towards humanity outlook on life. Even another movie of his, yes, Double Life of Veronique, which about. is uh, yeah. very much in that realm of like a woman with you know this dual life, um, and it, even though it ends on a very uh, note throughout it all, it's very like. It's just he's a rom- he's a romantic uh, Kishlovsky, and it, it okay. seeps through everything he does, um, even when it's veiled in that Polish bleakness. Um, okay, so that's the way I would do that. Blinken, there was a French movie, and it was like it was a love story. Ah, Blinken, I should have. I'll mention. I can mention it later if you want to put it in the notes. But it was it okay. came out. It was a big deal a couple of years ago. It was a, it was a French Polish movie. Like a lot, there's a lot of collaboration between France and Poland. It was about a couple. It was a French woman and a Polish man in love, and it's like their story throughout the decades. And um, he eventually is sent to the Gulag because it's it's in, including the eighties. But then their love is reunited throughout it all. I'm killing me that I can't remember the name of this movie. I apologize. I should have looked this up beforehand. Um, is it called The Innocents? Is it? I think Les it was Innocents. Some- with Agnes Day, a 2016 French film directed by Anne Fontaine, which features Or the Double Life of Veronique, My Double Polish Veronique Honeymoon. Is, was what I was talking about earlier. I think this is, oh, no, it's, I'm blanking on it. I My will, Polish Honeymoon. No. That it was, sounds something. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to look this up. because I, it, it, I would remember uh, if it was a female director. Oh, no. Like. The Innocence is not about that because no, not yeah, even the, the nuns are spared of that. war horrors. Yeah, exactly. Don't watch that. That sounds <laughs> very, very haunting. But uh, Anyway. Another director to look at, I, I'll be admit I haven't seen as much of her work, is Agnieszka Holland. Um, mm-hmm. she, is, she actually directed episodes of The Wire much later on. Um, but she did, oh, wow. uh, I mean, she did Europa, Europa, which is now then she sort of tra- moved over to U S cinema a lot. Um, but she, her early, she's someone who is an, again, a beloved Polish director. Um, in her, uh, she did a movie called fever and interrogation, uh, her movie before, before, uh, speaking of, uh, what we were just talking about was to kill a priest was a movie she did. So that was, um, so she did oh, yeah. a lot of great movies in the eighties. Uh, and, um, yeah, and um, she, like I said, she later directed a lot of uh, movies in America, and uh, I think she did The Wire too, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, that's kind yeah. of amazing that that there was directing of The Wire. Um, yeah, and um, wow. as I I feel like this is a weird note to edit, to to get close to wrap, wrap up the up, episode because <laughs> I I I don't like recommending. His movies, but early Polanski is also in that realm. Boo. Um, boo. Uh, you know, I saw Chinatown re- not a long time ago, but I it was before I knew who he was or anything, yeah. and I was like, this guy seems a little bit of an elbow squeezer. And someone goes, oh yeah, he's worse than an elbow squeezer, Jackie. <laughs> yeah, he is worse. <laughs> if you can pirate and not give him money, 
and you are morally okay with it, even on those terms. The movie Knife in the Water is... Beautifully worse. shot. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, again, don't give him money, but if you want to <laughs> see good... Like, how to make a movie without giving the person who made it any credit. Pirate, mm. A Knife in the Water. That movie is, <laughs> is something else. Usually we don't we don't encourage it, but here we go. He's gross. Yeah. yeah. So uh, try to avoid giving him dime one. Yeah. And uh, and it and I know all of you Rangers, you know how to do it. That's what I know for sure is that you know how to use your powers for evil. Yeah. And in this case, it's not evil. But yeah. if you want to, yeah, and just uh, yeah. So th- that's Polanski. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that there's more uh, sort of women directors coming out, yeah. and uh, and then they're also directing The Wire. That's yeah. kind of hilarious. That's great. I think actually, Ida, it may have been the same director as the movie I'm talking about. Let me look this up because I before we go, I want to. I don't want to leave without like an amazing movie recommendation. Um, that would be neat uh, with a new movie of, um, of yeah, from Pavel, Polish cinema. There, there it is, Pavel Pavlikowski. I could be pronounced this is wrong, but he did Ida. He won the Oscar for that, I believe. And then the movie after that was Cold War. That's the one. Thank God I remember that. Cold War, which she did in 2018. Okay. Um, it's, a, it's, again, it's a, it's, a, it's a collaboration between Poland and France. Goes from, it goes over decades, and it's about this love among the intelligentsia of both worlds and how it conflicts with how their worlds fall apart individually, how their worlds fall apart politically. But, you know, love conquers things like that. So Cold War is the movie. Ah, and look, look how dreamy that guy is, that, yeah, that Polish it, director. He's all handsome and cleaned up. It would have destroyed me if I, if I had left this podcast talking about this topic without remembering the name of that movie. But Cold War. There's that yeah, guy. It, it, it was, again, nominated. For, he won, got a Best Director nomination, not just Best Foreign Language Film nomination. He got a Best Director Academy Award nomination, as well as Cinematography. Um, yeah. And it's P-A-W-E-L and then P-A-W-L-I-K-O-W-S-K-I. So yeah. Powell Powellkowski in Wisconsin are, yeah. accent. None of these are easy to Google. Um, I, that's that's the thing with Polish. That's why I that's why I spelled it because you could rewind. Because yeah. that's the magic of a podcast, you guys. And I'm sure there's some nerd, you know, ranger watching this movie, that, listening to this, who at some point in the last five minutes was screaming Cold War. Um, it, oh, right, right. I'm just po- shouting at their at their iPods. No, they're yeah. not. They're shouting at their okay. iPhones. And <laughs> so, Ethan Stanislavski, it has been an hour. This has been a delight. This has mm. been a great kind of rabbit hole of uh, of Polish cinema. And it's at Ethan Stan Comedy. You have mm-hmm. a show at, at The Good Night. Is it monthly, you said? Monthly, yeah. Yeah. But if you go to at Ethan Stan Comedy, you can find out more places where Ethan is doing stand-up. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, Ethan Stanislavski, spelled in the notes, dot com. Uh, you can see his reel. You can see all kinds of stuff. And um, thanks so much for doing the show. No, I really appreciate you being on again. It's always fun when I get to talk about this and be and let this fly. Because this topic in particular, I'm like, I'll talk. I would want to talk about it. People are like, all right, Ethan. Nah, <laughs> oh, oh, this is the place to come. Yeah, so, exactly. and Rangers, you know the rules out there. Take care of each other. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat, <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh my God. We, why don't we just call that as the end of the show?